Hello, Hayes. Who do you go to for advice? Well, Hazelnuts, this is a question that I get all the time. And today, you get to meet one of those people. Hello, Hazelnuts, and welcome back to Hello, Hayes. It's me, your host. I'm who you're saying hello to. This week's episode is a little bit different. If you've been tuning in each week, you'll know that Hello Haze is an advice show, and I typically answer three different letters on a specific theme each week. And it's safe to say that we're in the experimental era of this podcast. <laughs> things are things are a beautiful mess. I'm trying different speeds and styles in hopes of landing on something that I love to make and that you find value in listening to. Our previous episodes have all been solo episodes, and I've been noodling on what it would look like to have guests on the show. One idea that's continued to come up in my brain, and I don't know if it's going to work, but one thought is that I could invite people on who I want to get advice from. Now, this could be tricky for a few reasons. One, because I can be kind of shy, which might surprise some of you. But is it shy? I don't know if it's shy. Like I'm good at I'm good at rising to the occasion and pretending that I'm not shy. Like I'm able to go to a work event where I don't know anybody. Like I will I will go. I don't have social anxiety in the sense that it stops me from putting myself out there. But the thought of having to engage with someone on my show in, intimidates me a little bit. So that's number one. But maybe that's actually a reason why I should do it. Number two, this could be tricky because I don't go asking for advice from just anyone. Number two, this could be tricky because I don't go asking for advice from just anyone. I'd have to be really strategic with who I have on and what I talk to them about, but I could do that. And I think it could be worth it because I do love receiving good advice and Lord knows that I need it. <laughs> and I believe you all do too. Not the need it part, but that you enjoy listening to it. All of that's to say, I decided to test out this new idea on today's episode. And who better to test this idea with than my dear friend, Stephanie Harrison, who is a person that I go to almost daily for advice. Stephanie also happens to be a happiness expert, and her first book is officially available for pre-order today. It's called New Happy, and it's based on 10 years' worth of research. Yes, she's been working on this philosophy for 10 years, and the book is a step-by-step -step guide to building the life you want. I'm so proud of her, and I can confidently say that this world is going to be a better place because of her book. I truly could not offer a higher endorsement. When I said new happy before, some of your brains may have sparked in recognition because you might actually be familiar with Stephanie's work from Instagram. Every day for the past several years on the new happy Instagram account, she's created and shared original artwork that translates the philosophy of happiness that she developed. Like if you open your phone and search new happy right now on Instagram, I bet you'll recognize her work. I'm so happy to have Stephanie on the show today, both to get her advice on something that's on something that I'm really struggling with and also to celebrate her new book and to share, share it with all of you. In this episode, we talk about our first impressions of each other and how we've built a close friendship, even though we've literally never met, which still uh, is mind-boggling to me. Stephanie also guides me through an exercise to improve my relationship with work. And I think this episode is for anyone who over-identifies with their accomplishments or puts a lot of pressure on themselves to perform or succeed in work or wherever. She frequently throughout this episode, she left me completely gobsmacked especially during the advice portion of this letter. Um, and while she's walking me through, while she's giving advice to me in a situation that is specific to me, I have confidence that it's going to help you too with the stuff that you're going through. So let's do it. Stephanie, welcome to Hello Haze. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm hearing those words from you. This is so exciting. I feel like we... Like how many times when we've sent each other voice notes have we been like, we should just have made this 45-minute voice note conversation a podcast episode. And now it's happening. Not because we're not because we're so amazing and our voice note conversations are the most brilliant thing ever. But I do feel like we 
every conversation I have with you does, I feel like, contain some nugget of wisdom that either inspires my work or like changes the course of my day. And in that alone, I think I feel like all of our conversations are podcast worthy. <laughs> Thank you. What an honor. I feel the exact same way about you. It's so exciting having watched you come up with this podcast idea. Well, going back even further, come up with Hello Haze and then come up with this podcast and then make it a reality. It's so exciting for me to be here with you. I could cry. I mean, you are the beginning of my you're though you are the beginning of my Hello Haze story. But that's where I that's sort of where I want to start actually. Um okay. for those who don't know, Stephanie, Stephanie is one of like Stephanie's one of my closest friends. You are truly one of my closest friends and one of the people that I think knows me most like intimately and deeply and truly. And we've never met in person. <laughs> How weird is that? It still blows my mind. That like that's actually crazy to me. Like I how tall are you again? I am almost six feet tall, just five eleven and a half. So I'm five two, and I really wonder, like, when we meet in person, I'm going to squeeze our, you. Is that going to like change our friendship dynamic? Our our difference in size? No, 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 no. It's going to be great. It's going to be so cozy. I'm just going to cuddle you so hard. Like that's like such a strange thing about these last few years. It's we one meet of those people, and we don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's so surreal. I still, it doesn't even feel like it's within the realm of possibility that we haven't met in person because we spend so much time together virtually or otherwise connected. And I guess it's kind of a miracle. It's been such a gift for me to have you in my life since we, since we met. Me too. Me too. I think actually that you have really stretched my understanding of what a friend can be. Um, and well, like coming how- from the creator of six besties theory, <laughs> You are so many besties wrapped up in one. You are so many besties wrapped up in one. So I, a lot of, a lot of hazelnuts will write to me about how to make friends. That's Mm. a big thing here. Like, I think we're in this loneliness epidemic, which relates so deeply to the new happy work, which we're going to talk about. It's not necessarily that people don't know how to make friends, but I feel like the idea of making friends has become so daunting and so many people have been disappointed by friends. I feel like the way we became friends is both conventional and unconventional. And I thought Mm. maybe we could start by just talking about how you and I developed this friendship and like where it came from and what it's looked like over the last four, I mean, four or five years. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like our, our formula for becoming friends could be copied. Mm, okay. How do you remember our friendship beginning? I'm trying to remember. So I think, so for, so we met at work. That's probably one the the key piece to start with so i was working at the san francisco office of thrive global and you were working at the new york office and my first impression of you the first time i think i ever met you was in our big company leadership wide meeting oh and <laughs> i think that i think that i remember you speaking up about something and making a point about something that we should do as a company And thinking, wow, that's a really great suggestion. And I so admire how direct she was in communicating it. And I had, I remember this thought of being really filled with, oh, I could learn a lot from, from this woman. And we didn't, I don't think we even got a chance to connect for several months until after I started at Thrive. And then eventually we started working on a project together. But that is my first impression of you noticing your incredible communication skills and feeling as though there was something that I could learn from the ways in which you navigated the world. That's really funny because I think my first impression of you was 
similar. I My first memory of you was working with you on this project. Mm. And I remember one of my flaws that I definitely had in a corporate job, but I now I just sort of direct that to myself, is that I can, my directness could be very intense. And I found that working in like a high intensity job for someone else sometimes like exploited that part of me. And mm. I wasn't being as intense at that point in my life and thinking about how my intensity could like impact other people I was working with. Mm-hmm. And we were working on a project together and I think I was I was feeling frustrated by other people's work on the project and I was really amazed at by, by you at how you were able to guide the person and course correct and steer the ship in a compassionate way. Like you never lost your cool, but not in like a people pleasing pushover way. Like you just were I really admired your ability to not like lose sight of the fact that even in a stressful work situation, you're still working with people mm. who have feelings and like work isn't everything. And I mm. just remember being like, wow, this person's really fucking smart and kind. <laughs> and I think that in a lot of high intensity jobs, we lose the yeah. we lose the kind part because yeah. of the stress. And I don't know. But it's I, that's true. Remember. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. It's so funny hearing these stories, isn't it? Um, You know, it's so true, right? Because stress ultimately hijacks our sense of empathy and compassion so often. So it does take a really big toll. And I think that we have to be so mindful of the environments that we're participating in and how that affects us and the ways in which we want to show up in the world. And then also where we have the control or the power to be able to make a difference in those environments. You know, when I think about the work that you do now with Hello Haze, how do we how do we approach those situations with with the best of intentions, with a deeper understanding of compassion and doing so in a way that helps all the parties involved? I sort of think that that's, that's how you guide people through the work that you do. So it's a really, it's a, it's a really beautiful way in which you are facilitating those sorts of experiences for people to help them mm. because it's really hard. It's really difficult. It's so difficult and I'm not always very good at it. So it's no like, one is. We're all just trying yeah, our best. No one is. Yeah. No one is. Okay. So we did this project together and then in my memory, like you, you, you left that job. I don't know how long after, but I ended up staying in that job for another year, maybe yeah. mm-hmm. a year and a half longer than you. And did we not talk for like a year? Or I did think we stay in touch. We like, remember? we texted a little bit, but not really. I think you were really busy with, um, you were really busy with with everything that was going on there at the time. I was going through all of a whole bunch of personal challenges in my life and navigating that. And then the next time that we really reconnected was when you left that job. Mm. And then mm. after that, I glued myself to your side and <laughs> refused to leave you alone. I glued since. myself to your side. It's really it's funny hearing this looking back in retrospect. I clearly saw something in you that was like, comforting and helpful. Mm. Like I knew that you were going to be a guide in my life. Mm. Like the fact that I quit my job at Thrive, started a new job where I immediately felt deeply overwhelmed in a way that I knew was not normal. And I immediately thought to reconnect with you. Yeah, Like that, that I feel like is some like otherworldly universe stuff. Because my, my next memory of talking with you, part of my job as the editorial director at this company was to revamp the newsletter. And I was in a constant spiral about making this newsletter the most perfect it could be. And that involved collaborating with others. Mm. And my like perfectionist, sometimes difficult self was just running in circles. Mm. And I remember talking to you on the phone. We were catching up. And I remember you saying to me, like, what would it look like if you worked on this for 15 minutes 
And in that 15 minutes, you focused on it and you gave it your best you could. And whatever you could do in that 15 minutes, what if you said that will be good enough? I don't remember that, um, but I use that advice constantly for myself as well. Um, I feel like that's sort of the only way that I get things done at this point is just saying, okay, what is good enough and how long can I allocate to it? And just going to try my best. And that is the only way that I'm able to get things done. So highly recommend. Great tool. Great tool. I know. So, so you can, you can hear yourself, even though you don't remember giving me that. You remember, sounds like something that you would say. Exactly. Um, And I guess from there, what have we just like stayed friends? Like basically. And then I think when you decided to leave that last job of yours and to go out on your own, I had already been running my own business then for a few years at that point. And so I was really excited that you were contemplating being your own boss and pursuing your dreams. And um, I was so proud of you that you were doing that and finding a way to move forward, even even when it felt really hard and uncertain. And I think that, you know, for everyone listening who, you know, knows and loves you at this point, I think when I look back on your journey and being able to have this very privileged vantage point of being behind the scenes of watching you go through it, what I've admired most is that you have been, you have been afraid and you have been Mm. overwhelmed and you have been stressed and you've done it anyways. And Mm. I, feel like that is such an important thing that we need to talk about more often because from the outside maybe people don't know that maybe people don't see it and only see you know this looks so easy for her or this must be so seamless and straightforward and you know when I think about my own journey I know it's anything but and then also witnessing you and what you've been able to do over this last year or so it's been really wonderful and beautiful and I wish that everyone I wish I want everyone to know that you know, feeling afraid is something that's totally normal. And it's really about how you how you face that fear. And you're such a testament to that in the way that you've approached this new phase of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm, thank you. It's funny because I think I, I, I actually agree with what you're saying about me. Like I agree and I can feel the pride that like I have felt scared yeah. and overwhelmed. And I've done it anyway, but I can also say that I am able to do that because of people like you. Mm. And I think this is something we talk about a lot in our private conversations, like how much we need other people. Yeah. Like I can be proud of myself and know that at the end of the day, I'm the one pulling me forward. Mm. Like no one can do my work. No one can make me put myself out there. But without your friendship, I think I would like just be scared. Mm. Like you you have also, like while I've been, you know, we talk a lot about the, our future self pulling us forward. And like I, I genuinely, Stephanie, see you like tugging the rope with me. This podcast is just going to be me crying the whole time. <laughs> Thank you. I know, I know. And you are the kind of friend that I think a lot of people think they can never find. Mm. And I guess what's the lesson? Like, what, what's the little? What's the quick little takeaway? Mm. You know, I was just recently um, last week or the week before digging into refreshing my memory on all of the research on loneliness, which you mentioned at the beginning and obviously is such a huge problem. I think the latest stat is that one in three Americans describe themselves as lonely. It's worse for young people. Um, you know, we're in this, we're in this crisis of loneliness and, um, 
you know, the, the research is so fascinating about it because it shows how when you feel chronically lonely, your brain actually changes and leads you to focus on different things. And then that changes your behavior. And then that affects your relationships and all of this kind of different cascade effect goes on. Um, and, you know, when I think about the last few years, you know, they were in many ways quite a, a lonely time for me as well. And when I think about the relationships that have sustained me during that time, you know, the, the keys for me have been recognizing that quality is more important than quantity. So having people who a few close relationships, at least for someone like me, it might be different for you is um, the most important thing. Having people who I feel like I can really, you know, share my soul with or be able to have um you know, deep and meaningful connection with. And that's, that's rare, right? I think like we can acknowledge that you're not going to feel that way with everyone. And that's one of the reasons why I love your besties theory so much, because it acknowledges the different uh, types of connection and doesn't say one is more privileged than the other. It's just that we have different types of relationships with people, which is key. And I want to talk to you more about that here. Um, But also, you know, when I think about what has helped me to shift out of a lonelier state into a more connected state, the principle that has served me, which is derived from this loneliness research, is, you know, be the friend that you want to have. And it's so hard, right? I completely understand. It's so difficult when you feel lonely, when you feel like you don't have the support that you need, when the people around you aren't showing up in the ways that you want them to. But if you can, as you said, find any of those sparks of connection with people and then try to show up for those people in the ways that you can, it helps you so much too. You know, I have, I have gotten so much out of being there for you, probably in more ways even than what you have given to me, or at least in equal ones. And um, it's so easy, I think, when we feel lonely and neurologically, it's true that we, we focus on what we're not getting. And instead, if we can kind of shift into what we're giving and how we want to be for others in our friendships, I think that it's one pathway that we can follow to help us to overcome our sense of loneliness. It always, to me, comes back to, you know, what can we do for others? Because as you said, the facilitation of personal growth is delivered on a platform of relationships. And, you know, even when we look at something as um, seemingly disconnected as, you know, motivation, for example, well, scientific research shows that if you don't feel connected to other people, you're not going to be as motivated. So, every single element of our lives is influenced by the connections that we have with other people. And so if there are people who, you know, who are lonely, who are struggling, who are going through a hard time, then to me, it becomes our responsibility to take care of them in some way. And just bringing this back a little bit to our personal story, you know, when you reached out to me, you know, two weeks into your new job, feeling like, you know, all of these difficult emotions, really struggling with the choice you had made, wondering if it was right, wondering what to do. I heard somebody who, even though we hadn't been the closest of friends before that, even though we hadn't talked for a year, I heard somebody who was having a hard time and I wanted to be there for you. And I, I, I wanted to support you through that because I knew from my own hard times that there's no way that I would ever have been able to get through them without the support of other people. And so for for me, like so much of our difficulties become because we end up trapped in 
trapped in these cycles, as you described, where it becomes really hard to hard to break out of them. And yet the best way to break out of them is to be the one who reaches out, to be the one who cares, to be the one who goes the extra mile and doesn't worry about it being fair or it like, you know, being balanced in that moment or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that, that, okay. So that something that you just said reminds me of a lot of dilemmas mm. and letters I get. So I called you, I called you two weeks into my new job, feeling burned out, questioning the choice I made and really having like an existential crisis. And you and I hadn't yeah. talked in a while. I don't know how long we had. I think I, I yeah, but we hadn't you. talked on the phone for a long time. Said, Let's yeah. catch up. And then I just like shared yeah. this on the phone. Why did I feel comfortable sharing with you? And why was your reaction not, who does this girl think she is? Like we haven't spoken in six months and now here she is. A lot of people would take mm. that situation. And I've noticed this from my mm. submissions. A lot of people might take that situation. And like, if they were in your shoes, they would have mm. dropped me as a friend because I hadn't reached out in six months, but you didn't. It's really hard, isn't it? I really empathize with people. And I know I've been there. This was such a struggle for me in my 20s and in my teens. Oh my God, so difficult. Um, figuring out healthy expectations for relationships is so tricky. Um, and I think for me, when I think about what has helped me was I used to feel so upset about and it's hard for me to describe how upset like it was so this was such a challenge for me I would feel so angry and frustrated and sad because I felt like I wasn't um getting back what I was giving so feeling again the sense of like unfairness or frustration or I'm showing up for them in this way why aren't they showing up for me in this way and putting we have to distinguish between two kind of potential approaches here. Sometimes it's true that your relationships are one-sided and have to be revisited. So like that's one case. And some other times holding on to this, you know, um, kind of marking off what you're giving and checking on what you're receiving thing can end up really backfiring. And we know from, you know, research from healthy couples and, and romantic relationships that, Every couple's therapist, every expert in relationships and marriage says, don't, you know, don't be counting <laughs> and keeping track of different things that people are giving in a relationship. You know, you have to find a way to make it equitable and balanced in the ways that work for you. But being really mind, be, being really um, kind of uh, focused on those things ends up backfiring. And so I think that for me, when I think about the changes that I went through was letting go of that expectation that I was supposed to be, you know, receiving the exact same thing as what I was, what I was giving and looking to the ways in which people were enlivening my lives, you know? And I think when I think about the six besties series, I think that's what it's all about. You know, you have your, um, you know, like your, your high school best friend who has all those memories as you describe, right. And all those past experiences that are so beautiful and, they are giving you something in your life. They're contributing to your life in a meaningful way. It doesn't have to be in the ways that others contribute or in the exact same way. And how can you appreciate the person for what they're able to bring to your life? And part of friendship and part of, I think maybe this is something that's only come with time and with age has been, you know, life is really hard. As you said, people go through really difficult times and you have, um, 
the opportunity to stay with the people in your life when they go through something hard and to show up for them. And it will be the most rewarding and important and meaningful experiences of your life if you do that. Um, and there will be times that people cannot simply cannot show up for you in the ways that they want to either or the ways that you want them to. And that that doesn't mean that you don't love them any less or, you know, that that you're not you're not as valuable to them. Um, and when I think about this story of ours, for example, you know, I could have easily been thinking, wow, I've been, a, I've been a bad friend to Alexandra. I haven't called her to check on how she's doing. You know, like I could have, I could have also seen that as a, a flaw on my end. And, um, it's really, it's, it's really hard. Every friendship is different, but I also think that extending one another grace and compassion and then cultivating relationships where both people are focused on how to give first is ultimately Mm. the um like the kind of great hope I think for for myself and for for many others that's really like the guts that's really the guts and bones of the new happy and I realize now that we haven't actually heard what the new happy is from from your mouth hazelnuts heard at the beginning of the episode me give the quick spiel but Stephanie tell us about (laughs) tell us about the new happy you um so the New Happy is a company I founded um, back in 2018 that is actually based on my research into the science of happiness. And when I was at grad school, I discovered that everything that we've been told about happiness is essentially all wrong. And the reason that I was compelled to even go to that grad school and study happiness was because I had personally experienced that. I had tried to pursue happiness in all the ways that I had been told and ultimately found myself miserable lonely, burnt out, (laughs) just a whole sick, you know, like a whole Mm -hmm. slew of challenges that resulted from that. And I at first thought, you know, oh, well, is this just me? You know, is this a me problem? And I'm the only one who can't hang with the the things that other people are doing. And then once I got into the research, I realized that we actually are pretty clear about the things that do make us happy and the things that don't. It's just not disseminated in public awareness in the same way. And it's certainly not embedded in our culture and in our values. And so um, I ended up writing this thesis in grad school, arguing that we need a new approach to happiness. And so eventually that's what led to the new happy. And um, now the company teaches happiness to people in all sorts of different ways. And um offers, you know, tools and resources and educational content and um, all sorts of other fun stuff to help people to actually find meaningful and fulfilling sources of happiness and well-being in their lives. I mean, and you do it through art and now you're going to do it through your (laughs) motherfucking book. (laughs) Crazy. I've been writing um, this book really ever since that moment when I was just realized how utterly miserable I was. And started jotting down notes and ideas and collecting information. So I've been working on it for over 10 years at this point. And so the fact that it is now out there in the world um, or about to be out there in the world is very, uh, very exciting and very scary at the same time. Was the vision always for the new happy to be more or not to be more than artwork? Because I, I don't like the way that sentence is positioned because it's like, it's more than art. I mean, what could be more than art? What's more like what is more important and impactful than art? So I don't mean it. I don't mean it that way. But did you always imagine that um, new happy would exist 
in ways beyond visual art or in addition to visual art? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, if we come back to this idea of, okay, we've gotten happiness all wrong and we need to find a way to change that, it always became to me about how do we effectively communicate that message in different ways. And so I only started making the art. Um, so I, when I left Thrive, I did it to focus full time on the new happy. And I started making the art because I wanted to find a new way of communicating these ideas to people that would actually touch them and reach them because I didn't have, um, I didn't have my own social media accounts back then. I really, really had a huge aversion to everything that I saw on social. And so I had deleted my accounts a few years prior and eventually I thought, okay, well, I have to, if I want to get the word out about this philosophy, I'm going to have to suck this up, <laughs> get, get involved in, in where, go where everyone else is. And so yeah. after, you know, scrolling through pages and pages of inspirational quotes and um, all of that kind of stuff, I just kept thinking, you know, this obviously isn't working. Like people, people are not using this in meaningful ways or it's not reaching them in, um, in their feelings and in the ways that they need to be able to understand these concepts. And so I wanted to come up with a different way of sharing these messages that might surprise people or offer them something different. And ever since I was little, I've always wanted to be an artist, but it was one of those things where I just felt like a completely impossible career path. And I had no idea how I would ever do that. And so I sort of put that aside and then eventually decided, um, you know, I'll, I think then when I was a kid, I moved on to being a writer because that seemed like slightly more realistic. And then eventually I abandoned all of that and gave up on all those dreams. Um, but right. Cause why, how could you, how how could could you, you do that? Do <laughs> and so I had always seen things in my head um, when I was talking about ideas or concepts, I always had these visual representations of it. And, you know, um, I feel like part of that comes from just my early love of art and wanting to express myself visually. And so when people, when I talked about research and things like that, I would have mental pictures in my head about how they looked and how, how it worked. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll start kind of making these. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had never used a design program ever in my life. I had never shared art ever publicly. Um, I had never done it posted really anything on Instagram, you know, it was completely outside of my comfort zone in every possible way. Uh, and so I just started trying to come up with this way, this visual language of communicating these ideas. And it took me a while, a lot of iterations and a lot of attempts to eventually land on, you know, what you see today on the new happy, but um, ultimately was able to come up with this language that hopefully communicates these ideas in a new way to people. And, my hope is that it provides people with both new knowledge that they can use. So kind of these core ideas from the philosophy about compassion and connection and community and, um, you know, self self-awareness and all of these important things. But then also, you know, just as important, it shows people that they're not alone. Like, you know what I mean? When you, if I can come up with something in my head that connects with something in your head then we're not that different or we have something that's shared. We have the same emotional experiences. And I think that being able to connect on that has been this really beautiful and surprising thing that has happened out of the new happy that I never in my wildest dreams imagined would have ever happened. 
So the art was a tool to communicate the philosophy and then always wanting to use other tools that would be possible as well. But I think um, the art has been successful beyond my literal wildest imaginings to the point where I think my biggest ever dream was thinking that, you know, I would maybe be able to build a very small community of people who enjoyed the artwork. So it's, um, it's been mm. so, so overwhelming and awe-inspiring at the same time. Mm. And on the days where you feel like uh, scared or overwhelmed mm. or anxious or filled with self-doubt, do you, how do you remember that there was a point when you could only dream of having an ink, like an inkling of the community that you've now built. Like it does, does remembering that feel within reach for you? My hope is that one of the reasons why people connect with the new happy is because it's not about me. It's about all of us. And I think that mm. because the whole new happy philosophy is about being of service to others is the secret to happiness. I have tried really hard to be very consistent with that in the ways in which we embody that as a value and the ways that I embody that. When you're trying to build something, it's so easy to get um, stressed or overwhelmed or to feel bad about yourself because you're not achieving your, you know, like, quote unquote, success and what you think you should do or what you hope to do or what you want to do. Um, but the point of the new happy is to help people to see that being in service is the secret. And so what that means is that mm -hmm. I have to always come back to the fact that being of service is the secret. When I think about um, what we have been able to achieve, I don't think it's not because of me, it's because of everyone else. It's because of mm -hmm. what they've done. It's what they've learned and how they've grown and contributed. And um, I think my job is to serve that community. And I would continue mm -hmm. to serve that community no matter how big or small it is because that's my that's my job. Um, and I think that whenever I when I feel those emotions that you describe, when coming back to my real purpose, it completely eliminates those feelings and helps me to move forward. Mm. Well, that's a perfect um, perfect segue into my problem. <laughs> okay, I'm so excited to help if I can. The struggle that I'm about to tell you about and that I feel now, I've actually felt it in every single job I've had. Um, I have fallen into the trap of um, equating much too much of my self-worth with hmm. extrinsic markers of success. And I've noticed, you know, I've been making Hello Haze for about a year. And I remember when you and I were first, I remember when I first started and I really so badly wanted to um, reach 10,000 people who follow me. Um, mm. I was so excited to reach that number. That felt like such a huge milestone. And I remember that that happened. And very quickly, I was ready for like the next milestone. Mm. And I've noticed that I have become really attached to numbers mm. and um, validation from the internet. Mm. And I've noticed that in the absence of like explosive number growth, I feel really lost. Mm. And it, I really love the work that I do. I love making Hello Haze. And sometimes I wish that I could completely eliminate the internet part of it. 
even though the internet yeah. is really the thing that's allowing me to connect with people. The only reason people are mm-hmm. writing to me is because I opened up on the internet. Mm-hmm. But I'm scared. I'm really scared, Stephanie. I'm really scared that like my current attachment to growth mm. is going to ruin this for me and that I'm not going to be able to do it. I won't be able to do this if I don't learn some better tools, my obsession with like growing. Yeah. And m- more than that, what happens to me when I'm not really freaks me out. And I guess to get more specific, like I'm not really growing right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want to vomit even saying that out loud. Like, am I doing, am I like speak by speaking it into the universe? Does that make it real? Like if we look at growth just in terms of like whether I'm gaining millions of followers, hundreds mm-hmm. of them, like I'm not growing right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm confused by how I should interpret that. Do I interpret that as I'm not making the thing that I'm supposed to make? Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm coming to you for guidance, both about like what's the new what's the new happy way to for me to think about this so that I can sustainably do this work that I really want to sustainably do because I do love it. Yeah. Well, thank you for telling me and for sharing with me and all the other hazelnuts listening. Um, I'm curious, how have you seen this show up previously in your other workplace environments? What's that look like for you? I, I am I, I've, the term I would use is that I'm like prone to burnout. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think that has manifested because I'm extremely intense about my work. And when I've worked for other people, like I've become extremely intense about being like the best employee and like a star Mm -hmm. employee. And I have found a lot of validation. I've -hmm. definitely found a lot of my sense of self through um, like very important people at the company, whether it's a CEO or like my boss, I have found a lot of self-worth and like those people thinking that I'm a star. Mm -hmm. I found a lot of validation in that. And time and time again, though, I like if I put too much of my sense of self and how other people are like perceiving me, it's caused me to burn out and to be unhappy. Classic human being, you think like, oh, if I just don't work for someone else and I do my own thing, um, that'll go away. But surprise, surprise, the problem is me. (laughs) (laughs) It... It sounds to me, tell me how this connects with you. It sounds to me like you're consistently and constantly trying to prove that you're good enough. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. So if you're constantly trying to prove yourself, then under that mindset and and perspective, what are the signs that you're good enough that you see right now. So what are the little the little check marks you give yourself for proving that you're like good the enough? Bad ones? Like the bad yeah, check marks. The bad the bad check marks. Yeah. So that my okay. So one is like that I'm like gaining new followers. I hate that okay. word. But like I'm gonna use that word because that's literally the word when you look at the social yeah. media screen. So like if I'm gaining new followers, I'm like you're good enough. Yeah. Right. That's one. Um another whether my content is performing well. Like if people mm-hmm. like my content or are seeing my content. And how is that measured? Um, by how many people view it or comment on it. Okay. So numbers again. Numbers again. Mm-hmm. This is fucking great. Um, and then <laughs> third, like whether people in like the business are interested in me. Those are those are probably the three 
things that I'm looking at currently to determine whether I'm on the right track. Okay. And so we can look at those three things and identify that they all are about how you are perceived from the outside. Mm, that's correct. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't surprise me that you got that. <laughs> that's, that's, it doesn't surprise me I feel like feel shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be flippant. Um, so, okay. So to recap, we have three, we have three, uh, Conditions of your worth, that's what we'll call them. That's what the research calls it, okay? Three conditions of your worth, you have control over none of them. (laughs) (laughs) And, but you think you have control, which is a really, really, really dangerous thing. You're right. I do. I'm like, if you could just, if you could just like pick a better submission, if you could just have more energy in your video, if you could just... (laughs) Make a more interesting hook. Is this if your you inner just, voice? Is this your critical inner voice? What that's it sounds my critical like? inner voice. Like if you could yeah. just suck less. Yeah. If you could just pull your shit together and not be the worst person ever. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stop being so boring. If you, so yeah. you think you have control over those things, right? So you think, okay, if I can just, you know, charm that person enough so that the gatekeeper likes me, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm lovely and sweet and, you know, compliant or whatever adjective in there. If you can just make better content, and again, you've demonstrated all the ways in which you can beat yourself up for that. And then if I can just grow more, then I will be good enough. So that's, Mm -hmm. there are elements in there that you have some level of control over. Obviously, you know, you're probably going to have a better chance making relationships with people if you behave in a certain way. But ultimately, you have no control at the end of the day over how those people see you, whether your content performs and how many people choose to hit a follow button on your page. So you're, you're taking responsibility for the wrong things. And it's, and because those things are actually also sources of misery rather than happiness, like there's a double whammy involved in here, I think. Mm, Right. Because even if you got that, you wouldn't be happy. Like that's the other point that we need to make sure of. Right. Well, what it's like when I, cause I've had periods of yeah. the last year where I've had those things and they're like a fake version of happiness. Mm, tell me more. Well, when things are going very well by those metrics of success that I just shared with you, yeah, I feel like I can breathe. Like I finally mm. figured it out. The happiness I felt when, you know, my audience grew from 50,000 to 200,000 mm-hmm. in a matter of six weeks. I think I felt really happy, but now that I think about it, maybe I didn't. Maybe I remember it that maybe I remember it that way through like rose-colored glasses. Mm. Because I do know that like the intellectually smart version of me knows that none of those things actually make me happy. I'm actually happy when I am connecting with people I love. Mm. I'm actually happy when I'm solitary and making my work mm. and I'm not thinking about virality. Yeah. Right. I think it's I think it's very possible that you felt excited and motivated mm. and validated and mm. you know um hopeful like all of those feelings yeah. at the at that moment but as you said there's a big difference between that and a more lasting form of happiness which is about you know feeling a sense of contentment with yourself and with the, the things that you do and the people in your life. And 
Um, you know, I think you, you can be, you should be proud of yourself for the things that you have achieved. And also, you know, are you, are you, are you proud of yourself for the things that you made or are you proud of yourself because of how other people reacted to it? Mm. This is really tricky. I mean, it's the most, I can't, I can't think of anything more important for me to figure out, honestly. I, I agree. I think this is the most important, the, 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 the first step really in terms of us learning how to unwind old happy in our lives. And um, in the book, I talk about before how- you, Before you continue, oh, yeah. so what I've, those metrics that I laid out, mm-hmm. those are what you would call old happy. I would say that they're like connected to old happy because old happy is essentially the stories that our society has told us about what we need to do in order to become happy and then the culture that we build surrounding that. So if- okay. Most of us have grown up immersed in this culture that teaches us that we need to do three things. We need to be perfect. So that's what we're talking about right now. <laughs> you need to achieve certain things also what we're talking about right now. And you have to do it all by yourself, mm-hmm. which thankfully you're not doing right now because you're sharing. So kudos to you. Very, very brave and very hard. Um but essentially, these ideas infiltrate us and teach us all the wrong things. And then those beliefs guide our behaviors, which then end up driving the choices that we make in our lives and the decisions about what we pursue. And it becomes this very entrenched cycle where all of a sudden you don't know what's wrong. You don't know why you're unhappy. You don't know what you're what you're doing that's leading you to the state. And so you have no idea how to fix it. And it becomes a really hard and stressful thing to cope with and so a lot of the time it's just easier to keep going um so my hope is that by naming it and calling it old happy we can remove ourselves from it and step away and look at it and go okay well here's this thing that's affected me and here's me and I'm I'm not it and so we can take take pauses and understand it from a better perspective um and so what happens is the first two core old happy lies are very intricately linked together because you're told that you have to be perfect in every way. And I share this concept, which I call the perfect self, which is this mental picture of yourself that you have in your mind of who you need to be in order to be happy, to be worthy. And we all have this, this image. And as you and I have talked about in the past, this image of ourselves constantly changes. We can never actually reach it. So even if you were able to magically become the perfect version of yourself overnight, then all of a sudden it would change and you'd have something new to chase after. And so, you know, when you think about how far you have come, right. And even calling out what you said at the the beginning of imagining what it would be like for you if you had 10,000 followers, right. Like that was, mm-hmm. that was an achievement that you tied your self-worth to and said, once I get this, I will be good enough. And then as soon mm-hmm. as you got it, the goalpost moved again and you had to pursue something else. And we all do this all the time in every domain of our lives. So, you know, if you're working at a traditional company, oh, I'll be, I'll be good enough when I get the promotion. And then you get it. And then the next day you have to start working towards the next promotion, right? Or you're a parent and you're trying to be the perfect mom and trying to show up for your family in the perfect way. And then you have an issue with your kid. Your situation changes. You have to adjust. All of a sudden you have a new standard that you need to meet. Or you're not good enough because you're working in the home or you're working at, at like in an office and you can't do both in the ways that you want to. It's just a constant nightmare for all of us. So the issue, though, is that we, we add these 
conditions of our worth through what we think that we need to achieve. And because what we achieve never makes us happy, achievements are not designed to make us happy. So yeah, there's always something new that you have to pursue. So you're always chasing your own worth. And ultimately, it ends up feeling completely hollow. And the thing that you're doing to try to be happy is actually making you miserable. Right. It's funny. You're right. The thing that I'm trying to do to be happy is making me miserable. But what's so what I can also realize is that I'm also so close to the thing you're that will make me. You're happy. so close. Like that's, oh. you're so, so close because <laughs> you are doing because it for the right reasons. You're doing the work, like the work is something you love. And that's something that I've asked you in the past, you know, how, how does the work make you feel? And you love it, as you said, and you love doing it. So that's the most important thing because you're, you're halfway there. Yeah. So, okay. I can, I can give myself some praise right now yeah. because I have, when I get scared that, okay, the fact that you're not growing exponentially or even at all, does that mean you haven't found the right thing? Mm. And I think what I have to look at is that I have found the right thing because it's tapped me into my purpose. Yes. I feel like that's what you would say. Yeah, it is. And also, why the hell would other people know what the right thing is for you? Mm. Why is it that somebody else and their willingness to hit a like button on their phone dictate whether or not you have found your purpose. That's something that only you can know because it's a feeling that comes from the inside. It's about the alignment of your long-term goals and how you want to show up in service to others in the world. It's something that is entirely self-determined and shaped by your unique life and the people around you and the context and experiences that you've had. So Mm -hmm. to me, you looking for you looking for other people's validation to say, is this right or is this wrong is just the same, the same challenge, like manifested in a different way. You know, it's not, it's a kind of a deeper, more um, complex level than saying, oh, my video didn't do well. So therefore, I'm not good enough. You're actually taking it further and saying, my video didn't do well. I'm not good enough. I must not know actually what I want. I must not actually be doing, shouldn't be doing this anymore. Like you're, you're extrapolating it even further and allowing, allowing, um, two things that are ultimately unrelated to dictate it because there are Mm -hmm. millions and millions of people who are pursuing their purposes and have very little or no external validation from the world around them, but they're doing it because it's what they want to do and because it makes them feel alive and it helps them to give back. That's what, that's what we're aiming for. Any of the external stuff is a nice to have. Yeah. I, I'm so close and I have, I, I, hearing you say that just made me feel um, so like seen and understood because it makes me feel very confident that I, I have, I am actually tapped into my true purpose, mm-hmm. but I have um, too deeply connected my purpose with um, other people knowing about it or confirming it for me. Yeah. And you're right. When you just said, I've taken it from your video didn't perform well or you're not gaining new followers to you haven't actually found your purpose. Yeah. And that's really sad yeah. that I would say that. To yeah, myself. it is, isn't it? Because I do know that it's not. I know. And I know you know, right? I know you know that it's what you're, what you want to do and what you feel you're supposed to do. So, you know, the, the, the doubting and the feeling of 
oh, I actually can't trust myself here. That must be so painful. I completely understand. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, it's exploited because of the context that you're in as well. Um, You know, I think if your purpose in life was to, um, you know, I don't know, um, run a community garden or something like that, you would have a very different experience because you wouldn't be, um, you know, exposed to these algorithms and, you know, technological, psychological hooks that get into you and create this, um, this false dynamic about, you know, your worth and your contribution to the world, right? And I think that in order to stay attuned to the things that do make us happy and to pursue them in the right way, because that's kind of the, as we're, as we're teasing out, those are kind of the two pieces. It's not only about what you're doing, but it's about how you're doing it. Um, you know, you have to look at your metrics and what you're, what you're, what you're measuring yourself on. And I think that for many of us who are trying to unravel and unwind old happy from our lives, we're so used to measuring ourselves on something and it can feel impossible to stop measuring yourself on something. And Mm. one of the tools that I counsel for people is to um, start by just choosing something different to measure on and then like slowly wean yourself off of it. And to the point where you're recognizing your unconditional value and, and worth. The reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, you said I'm not growing. Yeah. According to what? According to a follower According number. to numbers. According to yeah. Yeah. that thing. Okay, cool. But have you gotten better at giving advice? Have you gotten better at making videos? Have you launched any new things? Maybe a podcast? I think you launched that. <laughs> <laughs> have you been engaging and building new relationships with people in the industry have you been working on some big projects behind the scenes that are really important to you have you been perfecting your writing craft Mm, I'm pretty sure you've been doing all of those things (laughs) yeah okay so that sounds it sounds like what you're trying to tell me is that instead of looking at growth in terms of numbers I can look at growth in terms of personal growth yes you can definitely do that and you can look at growth in terms of your your impact as well. And you can think about it as, you know, how, how are other people benefiting from this? How are others, how, how might I be able to develop greater skills and be able to better serve others? What do I need to learn in order to do that? What can I cultivate within myself to be a better advice giver, more empathetic, more compassionate, more understanding of people who are different from me? You know, there's so many different ways that, you can look at growth. Your, your motivation for growth is a good thing. You're just putting your, your, you're putting your metric as you're choosing the wrong metric. We are in, incl- we want to yeah. grow. This is a human desire. We cannot eliminate our desire to grow. It is a part of who we are, but we have to harness it towards mm. the things that actually do make us happy. Otherwise we just end up caught on the hamster wheel, chasing something round and round and never actually reaching it. I control my human desire yeah. for growth. It does not control. Yeah. Me. And you get to decide where you channel that and where you funnel that to. It doesn't have to be, um, you don't have to just because like, just because old happy exists and is out there. doesn't mean that you have to live by it. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to, you have to, bow down before it and say like you are in charge of my very worth and my 
well-being and the goals that I pursue in my life. Because mm-hmm. if you can recognize the fact that you're worthy no matter what, that there is nothing that you can do, absolutely nothing that will ever eliminate your inherent worthiness as a person. And there's nothing you can do to add more worthiness on. It's not like you can add chocolate chips into the recipe. Like you, you, you can't become more worthy through achieving things. You're mm. always just as worthy as you are in this moment, just as you were when you were born and just as you'll be when you'll die. And your goals are the way that you express yourself and your worthiness to other people in order to help them and to make a difference in their lives. That's the path to happiness. As I embark forward from this conversation, thank God you're my actual (laughs) friend and I can text you after this and not just have to hold on to our conversation here. Like I am going to have to like make a video Mm. today and that's something I've been scared of doing because it's been making me feel. You know, if you, you know, we've talked about this tool in the past, but it's, it's essentially asking yourself if I knew that I was completely and inherently worthy, no matter what, how would I approach this task in front of me or this decision or whatever it is so if you that is a gem of a statement oh my god okay if you knew that you were inherently and completely worthy no matter what how would you approach the task in front of you if you weren't looking to that video to dictate how you should feel about yourself tonight then would you do what would you do differently because instantly you can think okay well as you said, I would try my best. I would focus on my craft. I would pay really special attention to, you know, how I can show up for this person. I would post it. And then whatever happened, I would know that I was still good enough, no matter what. Um, I think having that lens of inherent worth, and then also the one you described of focusing on your craft and how it helps you to grow, because you want to grow. So focus that powerful surge of motivation for growth towards you and what is in your control versus what isn't. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. I know it's really hard. Um, I think you're doing a great job. And I also think that it's really important to just know that this is a practice and something that takes time and effort. And I also really, really believe that you will find your way out of this and it will become a part of the past rather than the present or the future. You're about to embark on a really crazy book journey. Like you've never published never. a book before. And the journey up until now has been full mm-hmm. of lots of emotions. And I'm wondering, so when this episode comes out, your pre-order link will have been out for one day. And I, we, neither you or I know what to expect when your pre-order link is out. No clue. I have no idea what's going to happen. And you've been, you are like the thought and work that you've put into making this announcement, the most um, successful by all sorts of metrics that you can that you can make it, it has it has just been like astounding and inspiring. And um, I want to know what what, and we'll check in about this <laughs> daily. But what what can I do to support you through what we both know is going to be a crazy couple of months? Thank you. I'm so grateful for you. I, you know, it's funny. I think that, you know, I had this conversation with a friend when I was writing the book about um, eliminating old happy and how it worked and 
how to do it and all that kind of stuff. And he pointed out, you know, that because we're always living in this old happy world right now, we're always encountering new manifestations of it and new, um, new ways in which it might affect us that we weren't aware of previously. And so, you know, one way to think about that is when you're in school and you feel this intense pressure to get straight A's and to get into a good college or all of these different, you know, pressures that we feel as young people, then you do it. And then you go to college or you get a job. And then there's a whole new set of things that you have to encounter, right? About pleasing your boss, about doing well at work, about getting promoted and all that kind of stuff. And so with every new experience, it's like we encounter um, different different manifestations of these these um, these values that our culture holds. And because the world is so much bigger than any one of us, um, we have to have this is why I always think of the new happy as a real community because it's people who want to live in a different way. And the only way to do that is by supporting one another through it. You know, no one can, I mean, at the very base level, no one can live a new happy life alone because the whole point is that we're always helping each other. So there's no way that you can do it by yourself, but on another level, everyone needs people to help them to navigate the constant new pressures and challenges that they face. So that's my like intellectualized way of saying that um, I think that, you know, just like you've shared, oh, here's a way that I'm noticing this culture affecting me. I, I assume having been through, you know, different experiences in my life that I'm going to be pulled in the same way to different things, right? And to feel the pressure of, oh, I have to make sure my book sells. I have to do this. I have to do that. And at the end of the day, that's not actually what I have to do at all. What I have to do is to serve. And, you know, um, so I think remembering that and having you to remind me of that and support support me in that is the is the most important thing and the most valuable thing. So that would be what I would most appreciate um, because mm-hmm. none of us are we're all, we're all struggling with this. We're all dealing with our, our own versions of it. And um, I certainly include myself in that because the only way that I can write so fluently with and create things that will happy is because I know exactly what it's like. I can definitely do that for you. And I love what you said about every time we experience something new, we're going to have a new yeah. manifestation of old happy to come up against. And that like is actually very comforting to just totally to and not to that. try to strive for perfection or like this again, it's like our obsession with an end goal and achievement, right? You know, I I don't remember if we talked about this, um, but you know, I see it all the time as well on social media with people talking about like healing themselves and being healed. And there's I always am thinking, you know, great great, of course. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself, to recover from your difficult experiences and all that, of course. But there's no destination when you're going to be perfectly healed. That doesn't exist because you're always living. You're always encountering new challenges. And if you want to, you know, Mm -hmm. if you want to be a part of the world, then you're always going to be affected by it. And so we can't Mm -hmm. eliminate our pains. We can, we can work with them and try and recover from them, but we're obsessed as a culture with end achievement and goals and of, mastering your fate and all that kind of stuff. And I just think it's a really harmful manifestation of these beliefs. Mm, Well, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to be right there beside you the entire time. Thank you. I love you. I love you more. Stephanie, where can, where can people find you and support 
your work? Oh, well, first of all, the pre-order link, the pre-order link is out and <laughs> I've read this book and it's just, it's, it's changed my life, continues to change my life. And I, I could not recommend, I could not recommend a book more highly. So the pre-order Thank link you. is out. I will say that, but over to you, Stephanie, where can people find you? Thank you. You're the best. Um, so you can find us at thenewhappy.com. The book is available at newhappybook.com and on social media the, at newhappyco. Cool. And I will also link to your your social because you've been you've been you know growing your own personal page and sharing incredible tools every day mm-hmm. that really like are an extension of this conversation. So if anyone if you're listening and you enjoy the way Stephanie just guided me through that, you're in luck because she does that um, every day online. Thank you, Hayes. What an honor to be on your podcast. I'm so grateful for you. And thanks for being such a shining example for everyone of what it looks like to follow your dreams and to share what it's like as you do it. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in and getting to know my friend Stephanie and sitting with me through that advice giving session. Thanks for sitting with me. Thanks for sitting with me. And if you decide to pre-order Stephanie's book, please let me know. You can send me a message on Instagram or comment, and I'll be sure to see that. Um, I've already read it, but I'm going to read it again with all of you when it comes out, and probably once in between too, um, when I need when I need some encouragement and a reminder for how to get myself out of old happy and into new happy, which as Stephanie said, is a practice. If you've been enjoying the show, please follow, share, and review. Your engagement with my work really goes a long way. So I appreciate you. And with that, I'll see you next week. Love you guys. Bye.